love that gives his only son, Christ the sinless for the sinners, for the many dies the gave to his disciples do as I have done for you all the world will know you love me as you love each other A quote from Luther. The bread he proffers is his body, and the cup or wine is his blood, or the New Testament in his blood. In childlike faith, we should partake without doubting and believe it to be so. And the text of the sermon this day is taken from 1 Corinthians 11, which says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To start, I'm going to actually read a little bit more of a Luther quote. Anybody recognize this book? Okay. You guys better. Uh, <laughs> Luther's Small Catechism. Now, this is the newer edition. But what's interesting, I, mean, I don't know if you realize this, but actually a majority of this is not actually Luther's small catechism. A vast majority of it is writing from Concordia Publishing House down in St. Louis. Now it's quoting Bible passages here and there, but ultimately only a really small portion of it is the catechism. Now there is a part of this catechism that is known as the preface. Given the name preface, where would you guess it would be? The beginning. Guess where CPH put it? The very back. And I believe, part of the reason I believe that it, by the way, the old 1941, if any of you guys did the blue uh, catechism, that's what I was confirmed on. That one doesn't even have the preface in it. So, and I, my belief, the reason is, is because what he says is actually kind of scorching. Not just to members, but also to pastors. But these are some of the words that he said. He says, since the tyranny of the Pope has been abolished, people are no longer willing to go to the sacrament, and thus they despise it. Here again, encouragement is necessary. Yet with this understanding, we are to force no one to believe or to receive the sacrament, nor should we set up any law, time, or place for it. Instead, preach in such a way that by their own will, without our law, they will urge themselves and, as it were, compel us pastors to administer the sacrament. This is done by telling them, when someone does not seek or desire the sacrament at least four times a year, it is to be feared that he despises the sacrament and is not a Christian. Just as a person is not a Christian who does not believe or hear the gospel. Now, whoever does not highly value the sacrament shows 
that he has no sin, no flesh, no devil, no world, no death, no danger, no hell. In other words, he does not believe any such things, although he is in them up over his head and his ears and is doubly the devil's own. On the other hand, he needs no grace, no life, no paradise, no heaven, no Christ, no God, nor anything good. For if he believed that he had so much evil around him and needed so much that is good, he would not neglect the sacrament by which such evil is remedied, and so much good is bestowed. Nor would it be necessary to force him to go to the sacrament by any law. He would come running and racing of his own will, would force himself and beg that you must give him the sacrament. Pretty strong stuff. That's in your small catechism. You just, nobody, very rarely does anybody go over it. And so, and by the way, I don't know if you caught that where he says if somebody does not desire the sacrament at least four times a year, it should be feared they are not a Christian. Let's go back to those words. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The meaning of that passage tells you every reason why what we have is so precious and dear. And first, we have to begin with the question of who are we and where do we live? First off is we are poor, miserable sinners. We break God's law over and over and over. We are not loving and kind and gentle as we should be. We become impatient very easily. Just think of how you are, what, it's, what it's like when there's a long line at Walmart or Fairway or wherever you go to shop, or a long line when you're waiting to get some food. Or some of you become impatient, start saying, ah, oh, what's up? What's going on here? Start grumbling. I know I do. I, I'm really strategic about not getting lines. If I see a lie, like, I'm not getting anything today. And so, by the way, that in case you know, don't know this, when a pastor preaches about the law, it's not because he has it down. Very often the pastor is preaching to himself. But we, we struggle. Our sin is always at work. Destroying ourselves, destroying our lives. But beyond that, we live in a world that is a world of chaos and death. Think about in the last few weeks, the things that have happened in the world. I could go back to the start of April. I was, it was on that the Sunday before Palm Sunday, I was sitting at home and enjoying WrestleMania 33. And at the very end of it, The Undertaker, a guy that I've seen wrestle since 1990, Thanksgiving, about 1990, around Thanksgiving. In case you can't tell, that's 27 years he has been wrestling. He was a guy that used to see, I mean, this was a six foot 10, 300 pound plus guy who would leap over the ropes 
and dive out into the outside of the ring and, you know, knock down the other guys. I know about you, I definitely couldn't do any of that. So I'd probably hit the ropes, literally, that I'd be out. <laughs> now, I, but at the end of WrestleMania 33, at the very end of this match, where you could see it, he could barely do it. Like there were moves that he used to do so easily, he could barely do it. There's one little point where they're supposed to do like this reverse. In case you don't know, pro wrestling is like acrobatics. And so they rely upon their opponent very heavily to do everything they do. And there's a, that's why he picked a strong opponent who could literally carry him through the match. And there's one point where he's supposed to do a reversal and he completely failed to do it because he just didn't have the strength anymore. And at the end of the match, everybody saw it. He took, the, he took the, his gloves off, his coat, his iconic black hat. He went out of the ring, kissed his real-life wife, and he walked away, fist high in the air, and descended into the ramp, letting you know he's done. He retired. Why I use that is because there is an example that even people who are strong like that, their bodies break down. In fact, he's supposed to have a hip surgery, a second hip surgery in a year pretty soon. Our bodies break down even the best of them. Then later in that week, then also along this period of April, we have heard the news around the world. Now, I'm not just talking about bad news for United Airlines. <laughs> Although, I don't know if you heard, they got a new one today. They got, somebody got bit by a scorpion. So, they're just, I feel bad for their CEO. But, on, there's been, what's been going on in Syria. There has been so we had the, there was the, the attack in Syria, and there's fear over that, and there's a lot of uncertainty about it. And then you have what happened in San Bernardino, that same town that had a shooting not long ago at an elementary. A man went there, shot his wife, shot two adults, and also a child. Palm Sunday, one week ago. We all worshipped here in safety and security. You got to see a Palm Sunday processional. Well, on that same day, halfway across the world, there was a boy who also got to do a Palm Sunday processional. It was the last thing he ever did. As that church was bombed by ISIS. In that two weeks, we've had, a pair, we've had pair of pe two individuals connected to our, either a member of our congregation. Yesterday, Lois Sykes, we laid to rest. And a week earlier, LaVon Le Otto, she was laid to rest. All of these are the signs and the symptoms that this world is broken. Broken. 
There is so much brokenness everywhere we go. And that is why the supper is so incredibly precious. Because that's the world we're in, and this is where, who we are. And we do deserve nothing good. And yet, he gives, us, gives you that meal. In that bread is the body of Jesus. When you receive it, in that wine is the blood of Jesus. How does that work? I haven't a clue. But that's what Jesus said. It said that he took the bread and he said, this is my body. He took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And no, he wasn't talking metaphorically. Jesus was on the evening of one of the most dramatic moments in the history of the world. He was about to be crucified. He told them he was going to be betrayed. Does it really make sense that Jesus would start talking in metaphor on that night? In fact, the Gospel of John lets us know that on that night, Jesus was talking clearly. That you receive Jesus himself. But more than that, which that's, that should be enough, but there's even more. We receive forgiveness. Our sin is washed. We are completely and utterly forgiven every time. And it's a forgiveness that you can actually taste and touch. So when you come up to this altar and you have that bread in your hand, you say, you can just look at it and say, this is forgiveness. When you receive that wine, again, you can say, this is forgiveness. This is the peace of God. And then there's the reality of how that was purchased. You know, if you were to take every, all of the money in the world, every last bit of it, if you were to take all of the houses all of the cars, all of the clothing, all of the shoes, all of the electronics, everything in this world, and you were to pile it in a giant pile of things, it would still not be enough to purchase what is in that supper. You would go, come way, way short. Notice it says, for as often as you eat this bread, and drink the cup. So it's not any old bread. It isn't any old cup. It's this bread and this cup which has the very body and blood of Jesus. The only thing that was enough to purchase that was the blood of Jesus on the cross. The blood of the Son of God. That is what was the cost of the Lord's Supper. And there's still more. In that supper, you are given strength. You know what we call this room? 
Sanctuary. Sanctuary literally means it's a place that is set apart. When we are in the midst of a world that is chaotic and we just feel like we can't take anymore, we come to this rail. And we are connected to Christ. We are getting a taste of a world that is so, so much better. And there's still even more. In our liturgy, in a little bit, you're going to hear, Therefore, the angels and archangels, all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Little bit ago, we said that we believe in the communion of saints. See, I want you to, our rail doesn't work perfectly because we're more like a square. But imagine it was more curved. And so it's like a half circle. When you come up to the Lord's Supper, you come up and you are united to Jesus. You come up as the church militant. Church militant meaning you still have a task of proclaiming to the gospel to others. But you come up and you are united to Jesus. The person next to you is also united to Jesus. And the person next to them and the next to them, which by the way means you are all united to one another. That's why whenever you come up, we say... The, you bow towards us, you say, welcome to the Lord's table. I, whoever says welcome to the Lord's table, they bow towards you. You know why? Because you are the body of Christ. And you bow towards whoever, it is, whoever says it because in their hands is the body of Christ. But there's another side to this. And the reason why it's only a half, a half of a circle it's because the other side is the church triumphant. Hebrews 12 talks about you have come to Mount Zion to the innumerable and feastal gathering. So you are united to Paul, Peter, James, John, St. Augustine, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, you are united to those who were killed in that bombing last week. You are united to Lois Sykes by the body and blood of Jesus. If you ever miss anybody that's ever died in the faith, we think that the place to go is to the, to the cemetery. They're not there yet. That body will rise, yeah. But right now the best the very best place to be is at the altar, receiving the Lord's Supper because you are actually united to them through Christ. This altar is where heaven meets earth. You get a taste of heaven. And boy, do we need that in this world. In a world that has so many challenges. And God, Jesus never promised it would be easy. It's because it's not easy that you need one another and you need this supper. That's why Luther so strongly 
sad that if anybody does not receive the supper at least four times a year, it should be fear they're not a Christian because either they don't think they're a sinner or they despise God. If we realize what's going on in there, we will receive it any time we can get it. In a few weeks when we have confirmation, we think that confirmation is the big celebration. It's not really. Confirmation, actually there's about 200 years of the Lutheran church that there was no confirmation. Because confirmation is not the big deal on that day. It's nice, it's good, it's okay. But what's the real big deal? They get to receive the Lord's Supper for the first time. That is why Confirmation Day is so awesome. They receive Jesus. They receive forgiveness. They get to meet heaven while on earth. And so shall you in but a few moments. And may we do that regularly until his kingdom come. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. We continue with the offering, and as the offering is collected, we'll sing the two verses of hymn 436.